Hey, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to answer a quick question I receive often. How do I make healthy living simple? I've found that with a little bit of planning and a few good tools, I've made living healthy a lifestyle and one that isn't hard. Check out some of my favorites on the Pretty Wellness Amazon shop. Just go to amazon.com forward slash shop forward slash pretty wellness. I share my favorite tools and products for healthy living made simple. And here we are. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, which is a cancer guide and journal for patients and caregivers. It shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me. Success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. If you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now for this episode, I am honored to introduce you to Beth Miller, a teacher of psychology and sociology with an expertise in the subconscious. On this episode, Beth shares her story about how a brain bleed led her down an inspirational path, inspiring women to work on their mental wellness and relationships. She is incredibly knowledgeable and has got quite a story to share. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to Beth Miller. Beth is a teacher of psychology and sociology. She's an expert on the subconscious mind and uses her knowledge of neuroscience and hypnojourneying in order to help women move out of unhealthy patterns. Beth uses her own professional and personal experiences dealing with marital struggles to help women up-level their relationships and unblock limiting beliefs. Beth is the founder of the Solify Method and has been featured on CTV News, the London Free Press, and many more. I am so excited to have her here to share her wisdom and strategies for navigating better relationships. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I'm excited to be here. Well, can I tell you that this week in the recording studio, I have gone uber global because earlier this week I interviewed somebody from Australia and now I am interviewing you that resides in Canada. So that is pretty exciting. You got to love technology. Absolutely. It's so great how we can connect. We don't have to be in the studio together. No, I mean, yes, I'm saying no, yes, no, yes, you are correct. I love it. But on the same note, as you and I were laughing at earlier, what's so awesome about these non-studio podcast interviews is I feel like I'm talking to like my childhood friend, phone to phone, lying in my bedroom, although here I am in my office podcast studio, but it's kind of fun. It absolutely is. Like I'm hiding out in my kitchen pantry in case someone comes home and makes some noise. So it's so great. No one would know that I'm hiding out in a kitchen pantry right now. Well, that could have been like when we were in 
middle school where I would take the phone, I'd wrap it around myself, and I would go in the laundry room in the closet so nobody could hear me like talking about the cute little crushes I had in the seventh grade. Oh, we're so having a little 1980s girl talk, aren't we? I know. Maybe we're going to burst out in song. But anyway, speaking of the 1980s and all my little boy crushes, obviously, as life moves on, we build, hopefully, into better and blooming relationships. But sometimes, no matter what you're going through in life, whether it's, you know, cancer or the day-to-day hardships of life, those relationships become very rocky, which I thought this was a a great topic for us to talk about here on the podcast because marital relationships, friendships for that matter too, there's ups and downs to them. And I know that you've got an expertise in this. And so I'm, I'm excited for us to have this conversation. But first, I would like for you to share with the listeners, like tell us a little bit about yourself and Why did you decide to guide women towards better relationships? That is a fantastic question because I never set out to help women save their marriages. I'm a mom of three crazy and wonderful energetic little men, and I'm a wife to my husband of 12 years. And crazy thing happened. It still blows my mind to think of it now. But when I was 39, it was just after New Year's, I was on the elliptical doing my like get your new year's body in shape thing and what happened was my right leg was getting super sore i was having trouble like kind of getting upstairs i was actually starting to trip upstairs like my just like i couldn't get my foot up and this is what started this whole journey for me because i thought i just needed to go to physio i thought oh my leg's a little sore from working on the elliptical and it started to get worse. I eventually couldn't even take a step. And here I am thinking, go to physio. My husband's like, just make a doctor's appointment on Monday. But it was progressively getting worse, but I was in denial. And I just didn't want to go to the ER. Here in Canada, you have to wait a long time in Emerge. And I just kept thinking, they're just going to send me home with some stretches. Um, but finally, my little spidey senses and intuitions, like you have to go now. And so I ended up at the Emerge and, oh, it's like a Gray's Anatomy kind of moment. And the doctor said to me, your brain is bleeding. My brain was bleeding and it was on my um, right frontal lobe, which was then causing me to lose my ability to walk. It was right on my motor strip, which controls your ability to write and walk. So this was like, I couldn't even believe it. I remember the first thing I said was, can you say that again? Because it just didn't even come through clear to me. And when he did say it, then it was, should I call my family and am I going to live? Um, And then the rest, like the next month was a whirlwind of staying in the hospital and scans and learning how to walk and write again. So it came out of nowhere. I was a healthy 39-year-old mom, um, wife, and I loved to run. Like I was running half marathons. So um, it really shook my life. And that's what started this journey. Wow. I I mean... Like you said, coming out of left field, you had no reason to think that something so life-changing, potentially life-altering, I mean, it sounds like it, it has been, but I mean, a brain bleed, that's what you said? Like, wow. Yes, a brain bleed. Isn't that crazy? It's shocking. I, I almost have trouble telling people because they look at me like, what? A brain bleed? Who has a brain bleed? But yeah, it can happen. And what happens is I just have a little genetic thing on my brain, which is a little raspberry and it can bleed. So it's just wild. It's something I never knew I had, but I was born with. So that's what really started me on this journey because I had such anxiety and fear. 
um, that my brain was going to bleed again in the hospital because I actually had a second re-bleed when I was there. And so I was just crippled with anxiety and I got ended up getting diagnosed with anxiety and depression, which I'd never experienced before. And it was a battle every single day for me. And it was for about six months. I was crying every day. My poor kids are home with COVID and not, they didn't have COVID, but we're home doing online schooling. And they just like, mom's crying again. And I just remember at some point I had a talk with my psychologist. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep talking back to my fear being like, I am safe. I am okay. Because I was doing it all day and I was just emotionally, physically exhausted. And I remember saying to her, there's got to be more. And it was at that point that I went on this journey to try and figure out what is causing this anxiety and fear. And I had this incredible social worker. She's a shaman. And she put me on this journey of the subconscious mind. And it just fascinated me because we were able to get to the root causes. We were able to get to the base of that fear, which was really out of the fear of dying, out of the fear um, of having to learn to walk again. There was all these roots to this that I really had to dig out and face. And so I ended up doing some training on my own. I'm a hypnosis um, coach. Um, I have a consulting hypnotist and Reiki background to work with energy. And what happened was it didn't just help me with my anxiety and depression, but what happened, I didn't even notice it at the time, but my relationship with my husband, my kids transformed. All of a sudden we weren't having the same arguments anymore. Um, we weren't, I wasn't feeling as resentful and it was just this incredible thing that happened and I didn't even realize it. I'm like, I have to share this gift with the world. So that's what started this journey. Wow. I, I mean, again, I my jaw is dropped here. Isn't it wild that you face death or the idea in your mind? I mean, it could have happened, and it sounds like that was your fear for a while, and that you come out on the other side filled with a different view on life. Absolutely, for sure. It's been life-changing in so many amazing positive ways I can look at it as a gift now um, and I know you feel similar about your own health journey and it's amazing what comes out on the other side well so we can we talk about the other side so it sounds like uh, you went in because your gut was telling you you should just go you then were in the hospital you said for a month and you t- tell me a little bit about that and then when they release you where were you at Oh, I was in such a bad place. I was, I'd had seizures and I'd never experienced seizures in my life, but because of my brain and the bleed, my brain was on overload firing. So that was part of my fear too, was having more seizures and being home by myself. Um, Thankfully, my husband was off from work, so he was able to kind of take care of me. I couldn't even walk down the stairs. I had to wait at the top of the stairs for someone to get me down the stairs. Um, so a lot of things that, as a mom, like we were busy all day, right? We're getting the kids off to school. We're getting off to work ourselves. We're making meals. We're doing laundry. I wasn't able to do any of that, and it was really this loss of identity. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I grieved so hard my old self because I didn't know who I was anymore. I was this active mommy was so busy in my kids lives and here I am sitting down it sounds like a dream probably listening to this right who gets to sit on the couch and do nothing but I was really struggling with it and that's um that was really what put me into this kind of depression and huge anxiety over what might happen tomorrow and I kept looking too far ahead and that's where the overwhelm would really come in well okay so let's let's start there because I think your story everybody's story is different even if we've got the same a similar diagnosis I think I can speak for myself and I've heard many other people say is that sometimes our life is just so overwhelming. 
exactly what you said, and we're looking so far in the future to try and fix it and get it back to where we want it or into a place where we want it, we're in this state of overwhelm. How did you dig, swim, whatever, you know, analogy you want to list there, you know, work your way out and through it? Yeah, you know what? It I had to go through some really uncomfortable feelings. I really had to face what I was feeling and understanding it. And it doesn't just come to us because I can't just look at it and be like, why am I so sad? Um, I'm sad because I think my brain's going to bleed again or that I can't go running or I can't chase after my kids. Um, but really I had to go down deeper. And what I started doing was I started writing. I journaled all the time and I was never an avid writer at all, but I found it so therapeutic just to like cry all over my pages in my journal and just get it out. I had to really release what I was holding on to, And I had to get so aware of every single emotion I was feeling because every time we feel an uncomfortable emotion, it's called a trigger. Something is triggering it. And it's a scream from inside being like, I need love. I need to be heard. I need to be seen. And so parts of me were crying and I needed to give it that attention. And to give it that attention, I had to really get quiet. And I started writing meditations. I started writing about kind of getting really quiet and going in my head to figure out what I needed. And I'd write these scripts out. And that's what really started this journey to creating these hypnosis, these hypno journeys that I um, now share with women I work with. Okay. So first I want to hear about hypno, well, I want to hear about hypno journeys, but first I want to understand. So did you on your own just be like, I'm so exhausted and frustrated and anxious. I'm going to start writing. Or did you have a doctor, a friend, somebody that led you on this journey? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I had multiple people. I kind of went on a, a search. I I started with social media, actually, just trying to find people who had even experienced a brain bleed because I just felt so alone. I don't know anyone my age who's had a brain bleed. And even when I was in hospital, I was hanging out with like my grandparents. Like I was making friends with the 70 year olds and I just felt so alone in this whole process. So I started on like on social media to try and find a community and that really helped me feel like I'm not alone and get some support and hear people's stories that were successful, people that were even six months out from where I was to give me that hope that things will get better. And then within that process, um, my social worker at the time, who's a shaman, she really showed me some of the tools to get into my subconscious mind. And I was seeing how that was impacting me and through her kind of doing those, those sessions with me where you get really quiet, really like really silent with yourself and she takes you into your mind she's like what are you feeling and you feel that feeling you figure out where it is in your body and your intuition if you get really quiet will tell you why you feel that way it gives you these little messages or these sensations that this is what needs love or this is what needs attention so the social worker is that somebody that came to you from the hospital that they set you up with or is this somebody that you had to seek out and can you explain to people what a shaman is as well and how those two work together yeah you know what it was set up through my therapy so it's one of those incredible things like I didn't find her she thank you through the universe god whatever you'd like to call it aligned us together and you know what I don't know exactly how to describe a shaman I just know that um, she's done a lot of training and she's this gift where she has these senses where um, she can really sense your energy and she can, I don't almost think it's not like she's psychic, but she really has like a deeper level than just the physical plane more than like, I don't know if she can see my aura, but this is something maybe we all need to Google. But what she did for me was really phenomenal. Like how she could just really um, 
tune into where I was at and help me sense my body, like physically, like figuring out where do things feel tense within your body? Where do things feel blocked? And we would dig into those. So can I tell you, because you're talking and I've got a few screens in front of me, I actually, I looked it up. You were right on in how you were in some ways describing it. It's a person regarding as having access to an influence in the world of, of good and evil, especially, um, as a mode of healing. So that connects with what you were saying and, yeah. so, and, and how she could be a social worker, but also believes in energy or outside, you know, I'll call them efforts or tools or ways to help us heal. That sounds perfect. That's exactly. So she had her social work modalities where we do a lot of talk therapy, but then she could also use this other modality because talk therapy is great and I support it. The two work really well together, but sometimes if you just keep talking about it and reliving it, it's actually more painful and you don't seem to get to the, the reason why. And so she used those two tools together to really heal and help me work through some of that anxiety and depression and just loss of identity and figuring out who I was. I love that you say that because I think... There's a lot of people out there that believe therapy's the answer, therapy's the answer, therapy's the answer. And there's a lot of people out there who don't want to do therapy. And so knowing that there are all sorts of modalities in this world, we know that there are challenges in this whole world with mental health and how important it is to figure out the tools that are right for you. And it might start, like, I, I think I believe in starting with a social worker or a therapist or somebody that can help align you with the right tools. That doesn't mean you need to continue going to them, but they're the professional out there that can help you find your path. Absolutely. So, all right, I want to jump into now how you were talking about you're starting to see and feel better and notice that your relationships are, I don't want to say more fruitful, but are, are getting better and they're less stressful. What was it that you were doing that helped get you to this better place? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was really trial and error that I didn't even realize I was doing. I was really, like I mentioned earlier, I was journaling, I was writing, I was creating these meditations. I was actually recording them for myself and listening to them during those tough times. And really, the foundation of this was recognizing my triggers. So a trigger is any kind of unwanted feeling that comes up, and it often comes from other people's words. Because uh, we come from other people's behaviors, and it even comes from your own thoughts. So every time you feel this unwanted emotion, I had to get curious. Um, and I now look at triggers as a gift. I can be like, you know what? I'm triggered. That means there's something within me that needs some attention. So really, when you can change your view of feeling those uncomfortable emotions of anger, sadness, resentful, when you can see those as, you know what? This is me, and I need to deal with this then life opens up in a totally different way instead of pushing it down or feeling like you're in a bad mood. That is, I've never heard people say trigger is a gift, but the way you explained it, I love it. I, I do believe that the way we talk to ourselves or the way we look at the world really matters in terms of our healing. And that's really powerful. So is this journaling and meditations, is that what you're, hypno journeying is about can you share that with us yeah hypno journeying it's what it means it's like a hypnosis and it's a journey so I've created this these tracks which are put you in a theta brain state so we have multiple brain states 
um, the one that we're in right now, you and I, it's called beta. So we're, we're analyzing, we're talking, we're, we could be organizing. And then we have our alpha, which is just that very like in the moment kind of state. We have our theta brain state, which is just before you fall asleep and just before you wake up. So it's a powerful state because, you know, when you wake up, you're kind of like, what day is it? So you can kind of consciously know what's going on, but you're still almost remembering some of your dreams. And that's totally into your subconscious. And when I say conscious and subconscious, conscious is that kind of, we're in it most of the day. Because that's where I said we're planning, organizing, thinking, strategizing. But our subconscious, that's where we store everything that's where the calculus is that's where those dates are from history class everything is there and so our memories are all there as well and with every memory so even back to my brain bleed being in the hospital finding out that horrible news it's stored there along with any mini or major traumas from childhood like bullying or a death in the family those are all stored there and when we have a memory this memory has a belief associated that belief might be that this is horrible i never want to experience again or if it was just say the memory was in class, you saw somebody raise their hand and say four plus four is seven, and you saw the class laugh at them. You now have a memory. You know what? My belief is I don't want to raise my hand in class. I don't want to speak up because I'm going to get laughed at. And then what happens is it creates a thought. And that thought is, you know what? I don't know if I feel comfortable speaking up even as an adult because I might get laughed at or people might think I'm silly or stupid. Um, which then drives our habits and we then don't communicate our true feelings as adults because it can all link back to that childhood memory. So our subconscious is so powerful because it stores these powerful memories that have driven our thoughts and our habits into adulthood. Okay, so then I think the next question is, this I think is going to lead us to unblocking the unhealthy thoughts that maybe are associated with that because you hear a lot about I think you call it limiting beliefs that maybe are associated whether it's with the triggers or just the bad experiences that we don't even realize we're doing to ourselves like I'm curious about that because you hear a lot of women saying oh I'm hard on myself I'm hard on myself but that's just the way I've always been is this what you're talking about or is there a relation there Absolutely. So that's a great analogy or a great example because we are hard on ourselves. And so we need to figure out what's triggering that. Are you hard on yourself when you make a mistake at work? You're like, oh, I should have, I sent the wrong email to somebody. And all of a sudden you're really hard on yourself because I'm stupid. And you got to dig into that trigger. What is the emotion you're feeling when you feel hard on yourself? Do you feel angry at yourself? And then what we need to do is in we need to get multiple ways. You can journal, you can do this hypno journey, you can do a meditation, you can go for a walk in nature, but your body will tell you your intuition, your inner knowing why you're feeling that way. Why, what happened in your past that you all of a sudden are so hard on yourself. And this is where the inner child plays in. And our inner child is that really playful aspect of ourselves from childhood, but it's also the wounded child. The one that maybe wasn't loved by our parents as much as we wanted. Maybe as a child, you're really, praise for getting good grades in school but you weren't necessarily hugged cuddled in the way you needed to so now as an adult when you make a mistake you're really hard on yourself because you used to only get praise in childhood from having these incredible accomplishments these really tangible external things so that's how our inner child plays into even our relationships now in our careers and just our everyday lives so it's so important that's why these triggers are a gift because they're these hints of things that need attention and love often from our childhood. 
and we never go back and look at our childhood in um like almost in a painful way it's almost empowering because you now can put the connections together as to why you're having these struggles or these overwhelms and these obstacles in your everyday life now okay so i'm i'm closing my eyes and i'm thinking this through so if someone we'll say a woman is hard on themselves and is yelling at their child because they're not I don't know. Help me out with an example here. What would something... They, you sent them upstairs to go get socks and they come back downstairs and they have a book in their hands and they completely forgot the socks. There's an example that happens all the time in my house. Okay. And so where... And so then you start yelling at them that they're not doing it right or they... You know, I, I think in my house, it's like there's stuff all the way around the house. It's right... You're tripping over it and you know, why do they not see the dish there to put in the sink? Why are their shoes in the middle of the floor? In your house, it sounds like th- you go upstairs to get socks, they come down, they bring something else. So where would the lesson for us, like how can you help walk us through the steps of what you might be able to do to be less hard on internally in yourself getting, I guess, annoyed and then probably taking it out on them? Yeah, this is such a common thing for many moms. And so, again, we, we know we're triggered because our kids maybe aren't following instructions or maybe it's more because we're going to be late getting them to school. So we just got to figure out what, why is that anger happening? Why is that frustration happening? And it really, you might not have time in that moment, but it's something to reflect upon later on. Even like I said, journal about it. But um, sometimes in that moment, you're just, you're seeing red. You're like, I'm just so frustrated. Why do you not listen to me? And that could come from even childhood, not being heard, not feeling like your opinion matters, feeling like you can say something, but no one's really going to care. So sometimes that even happens in like even our past relationships where we felt that way. And then what happens in our, our now relationships with our children and our romantic relationships with our partners is a lot of those things from our past then show up again and they show up in this most magnified way because it's almost like our cup's overflowing at this point. We've gone through life feeling maybe not heard or concerned that we're going to be late and knowing that we'll be punished for being late to work or like in the past, maybe our parents punished us if we weren't somewhere on time. So it's a lot of the stuff, these beliefs from our past that then show up and those beliefs don't always serve us. Like we're not always people that really want to be on time, but society's telling us we need to be on time. And so that's where some of this comes from. And it's just really about getting curious um, as to maybe what, what from your past has made you feel this way? And do you want to keep feeling this way? And if you don't, how are we going to release it? Okay, what do you say to people when they say, because you've talked a lot about this may come from the past, this may come from childhood. People that might say, I don't want to dig up my past. I'm not, I mean, they, they may not say it that way. They may say it much nicer, but they're not interested in going back. They just want to go forward. Yeah, then you're going to stay stuck. Do you want to stay stuck? Do you want to keep feeling unappreciated? Do you want to worry? Do you want to feel fearful or resentful within your marriage? Because if we don't want to grow or change or become that better version of ourselves, we're just going to keep living the groundhog day of the same uncomfortable emotions. Like We have the power to change our own lives. And that's the philosophy I use is within your marriage, you can save your marriage, you can improve your marriage on your own. Within all our relationships, we're 50%. So what we bring in terms of our energy, the way we talk, the way we respond, can drastically change any relationship. And so it really starts with you. And 
I often suggest before women go to couples counseling with their spouse that they use some individual counseling or individual work, whatever modality you want to use, to really figure out what your baggage is. And I call them shadows, like what's in your backpack that you're hiding. Um, for instance, if you were to go to like Costco and you spend like maybe one or $200 more than like the allotted weekly grocery bill, and your husband's really upset and he's upset because you overspent. And then you might feel really hurt and feeling like I, I did spend a couple hours of my time and now you're upset and I'm feeling unappreciated for the work I did. And do you want to keep feeling that way? Or do you want to react different and be like, you know what? You're right. I should not have spent that much, but you know, we really need to stock up on this. And I didn't want to have to like go back next week. Um, but you come from a place of understanding instead of a place of defensiveness being like, well, I spent all this time doing this. Why do you not appreciate every time I go grocery shopping? So we really have to make a choice. How do we want to show up within our relationships? And do we want to break that pattern? And when you break that pattern, you're just so much happier. You don't feel triggered by your partner's words anymore. You just, you see them for who they are and you're confident in who you are. So when it comes to relationships, it sounds like you're saying, or you did say, work on yourself first, figure out the modality that works for you, and then communicate with them moving forward, however that might be with you're seeing a social worker or having those conversations together where you're sharing what might trigger you or what might be upsetting you. Does that make sense? It does. And sometimes you don't even need that third piece of going to a couple's counseling um, because I find a lot of times when you start to change yourself and how you show up to your conversations within your relationship because you're not triggered anymore. You've dealt with the reasons why you feel resentful or angry that resentful that maybe they're not helping out with the kids as much, or they didn't put their dishes in the sink after dinner, or you're feeling maybe frustrated that they slept in, or you feel really sad that maybe they sat on the couch as soon as they got home from work instead of hugging you. When we can figure out why we feel those emotions, then we can more lovingly show up as our authentic self in the relationship. We can come from a place of love and seeing them almost for what their shadows are, or what their needs are, or what their authentic self needs in that relationship instead of taking everything so personally, being so defensive. And when you can show up as that person, the whole relationship shifts because arguments, dis disagreements that you were having don't happen anymore because you're showing up differently. And then often your partner this is the cool part about it all. Your partner eventually upgrades with you because you're in an energetic standpoint. You're kind of vibrating at a different, like high, we call it high vibes, right? You're at a happier high vibe level. They're not being brought down anymore. Um, so it's just amazing how the relationship transforms just by one person really working on themselves. Okay. That's amazing. And I want to sit here and I'm like, okay, so give us some resources, give us some tips. I, I know you started out by talking about working on yourself and figuring out the triggers, you talked about in doing that, you would write, you could figure out meditation or another tool that works for you, talking to others. What other resources or tools can you share with us in terms of if we want to better our relationships? Yeah, absolutely. I have a guide that you're, it's a free guide. It's wonderful. I'm getting fantastic feedback on it. It's called Three Ways to Save Your Marriage. And you can go to freemarriageguide.com to pick that up. But that's one thing that you can do is just understanding it, it's a bunch of tips on how to really identify these triggers and show up as the better you because once we work on ourselves, 
it's incredible what power you can take back. Because often we feel like such a victim in our in our relationships, being like, if they would only change, or if they would only talk differently, or if they'd only do this. And it's just all these, if they, if they, if they. But really, when we can take ownership for some of our uncomfortable emotions, then the relationship just changes. So that's a great tool. I also have, a, if anyone wants to try the hypno journey, I do have a free one on my website as well. All right. So can you, um, I encourage people to go and get these resources, but can you give a, if there are three ways to save your marriage, what would you say one of them is so that, you know, those who are listening here can get kind of a, a sneak peek into it? The biggest one is that triggers. The moment you start to celebrate those triggers and really get curious, that's the major one. That's the foundation of this work when we are aware of every emotion we're feeling. And instead of shoving things down, which then often leads to resentment, because the more we feel angry and we don't really address it, we feel resentful of our partner, which then leads us to feel rejected and unloved and like we're not enough in the relationship. So we need to feel all these emotions and we need to process them and really figure out why are they there and what's it telling me about myself. And so that would be the foundation step is really the awareness of the emotions and the triggers that are coming up in your life day to day. And that can be with your partner, but also with your kids and with your coworkers. All right. That, I mean, that, that sounds really smart. So that's, you said your web, let me tell everybody your website so they know where to get it's, it. It's uh, www.solifywellness.com. Okay. And we'll include that in the show notes as well. So, Okay, when it comes to, I guess, friends, relationships, tell me what makes you happy? Because here we are on this podcast of happiness through hardship, and we know that there can be some hardships with our family, with our friends, with ourselves. Will you share with us a little bit about where you find joy or where we can all find joy in terms of those relationships? Yes, where do you find joy? It really is an individual thing, but for me, I find it in the conversations I have with my partner. And just when we get so busy with our kids in our lives, sometimes we forget to talk about things that aren't to-do lists, like who's taking the kids here, who's grabbing this. And when you can actually sit down, and even if it's five minutes, you just feel human and you feel that connection with your partner again, because so often we forget to connect with our partners when we have busy lives and it's just so important. So in doing something with them, like creating a date night and with COVID, I know it's tricky, but whether it's just ordering in and making it a bit special and sitting at the dining room table instead of maybe the kitchen counter. So I think it's so important to really figure out what you two can do together. And um, yeah, that'll create a lot more happiness and connection, feeling that love. You know, what's interesting you say that is, so my husband and I a few weeks ago celebrated our anniversary and like many of us, we had the, our actual anniversary, they added a, a doubleheader baseball game, so we spent most of the time at the field. But we decided that we were going to the night before we did, I call it a pub crawl, but it's not really a pub crawl because we went outside to a few different restaurants. We got a drink, we got an appetizer, so it was an appetizer crawl. And we took our bikes, and this was like our rehearsal dinner, right? It was 17 years ago to the day was when we were all celebrating, rehearsing the wedding. And then on our actual anniversary, after the baseball games ended, we went to the beach. We bought our, we brought our own drinks and we just sat there looking at the water. And by the way, it got kind of dark. So then we were really just, we're looking at the water, but it was so dark. 
you're hearing the waves in the background. And that was like the cheapest date ever, you know, a shared bottle of wine and sitting at the beach with a blanket around us. But to your point, as I mean, as much as I would love to be gallivanting on some vacation, and there are so many reasons why we're not doing that right now, but it was really like if we were on some amazing island eating some great food, we're still having very similar conversation. And because it was the anniversary, we were kind of reflecting on 17 years, like what have we done? Like what are those standout moments? And it was wild how much we forgot and also how much we're like, man, I kind of want to do this. I kind of want to do that. But that that makes it forthcoming, right? Like we were we weren't just reflecting and living in the past. We were thinking about what we could do in the future. And so I didn't really realize, and as we're having this conversation here and you mentioned that, I thought like, that's really powerful. I want to do more of that. And I love that date. I want to go on that date. That sounded wonderful. Doesn't it? So simple. Doesn't so simple. And you're outside with nature, which is so important to connect with. So that was an awesome date. Well, I mean, thank you. It was really cheap too, but that that's why I love, I, I grew up in the Midwest and I love where I grew up. I love it, love it, love it. I have such happy childhood memories, but I'm really happy to be living in Connecticut because there's so much water and like vast open spaces. We may live all on top of each other because there's a lot of people here, but to be able to go look at the water, look at the Long Island Sound or in various places within you know less than an hour, you can actually look at the ocean. It's pretty cool, but... Anyway, I want to toss it back to you, and I want to talk about we're talking happiness. We would love to know more about what makes you happy right now, what you're working on, what you're doing. Please share with us. What makes me happy is nature. I I think that was why I was so gravitated to or, like, so connected with your beach date because right now being outside is so powerful for me because it's a time to really clear my head. I love walking right now I never used to walk um I used to be a runner and I just want to run everywhere but this brain bleed it slowed my whole life down to the point that I enjoy getting still I kind of look at the analogy I think I was running away from my emotions and now I'm still and I can go for a walk in nature and that just makes me so happy it makes me feel grounded um even if it's a walk in the rain I'm like I'm not sugar I don't melt so for me getting outside is invaluable and having that alone time outside I think that's huge. And for everybody who's listening out there, listen, I am somebody who loves to be around people. I love to be social. I get in the car, I jump on the phone. But to your point, I've always been connected. And when I go in nature, when I'm still, when I allow myself to just be, it's amazing what comes over me. I do believe that's healing and so if, if anybody listening is like a busybody, like I have been, like I am still at times, I encourage you to try and find a little bit of that alone downtime because if nothing else, so much creativity comes to me during that. Oh, absolutely. And I'll just add one more point. Even if it's just two minutes, five minutes, and you can't even get outside, even just sitting in a chair that's quiet for two minutes, five minutes, and just breathing and just scanning your body, being like, where am I feeling tension right now? I think that's so important to tune inward and listen to our bodies because they're, they're powerful. They'll tell us what's going on. And sometimes when we get still, we just have a good cry too. We don't realize how much we're holding on 
two emotions from the day. So yeah, I love what you said. Just get still and it's amazing what will come. Well, I love what you said. And I'm so grateful that you have joined us to have this conversation because the relationship with ourselves, the relationships with others, we can do some work and bring it to the, to a place where we really are more happy in life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would love if you would close out this episode like I do with all other episodes as well. And I love it is by playing the grateful game. I would love to play. All right. So for those of you that are new to me, I play the grateful game most nights before bed with my son. It's something that we created a few years ago. It's essentially a gratitude practice where we talk about what we're grateful for and why. And of course, whoever comes up with the most ideas wins. Now, as my mother would say, it doesn't matter if we win or lose. It's how you play the game. And what I have found when it comes to wellness practices is that honestly, it's just about trying to do a little something. Like you said, even two minutes of still time. Well, here, even two minutes of thinking about what you're grateful for and why, it really helps in the day-to-day. Is it going to cure my cancer? Is it going to change all your relationships? I can't tell you that. But what it will do is it will help you look at the world, at least for the moment, in a little more positive light, which will hopefully help you find a little bit of joy in your life. So, all right, I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to give us 30 seconds, what I am grateful for and why today. I am grateful for, oh, that I have plans tonight. It's the weekend when we are recording this. And there is a friend of mine that I go on some walks with that asked us to meet them outside for a happy hour. And I'll tell you, we planned it a few weeks ago and it's so hard sometimes with life and things changing to actually plan. We planned it and we're doing it. And so I am really, really grateful that I've got those plans tonight. And she's also somebody who encouraged me to buy snowshoes last year. We go snowshoeing sometimes on the beach together. And so I'm grateful. I'm not going to go snowshoeing today, but I'm looking forward to that as well. So I'm going to toss it to you. I guess that's sort of like two things. Sounds good. Okay. I am grateful for, it's Friday. It's Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. (gasps) I am thankful. And then I usually do this in the morning. I just randomly list things. I actually have my list here and I just randomly go. So I like, I wrote, I am grateful for my husband, my kids, my mom, my breath, the sun, a cozy bed, another day, my health, feeling loved, and my friends. Oh, I love that. It's like so simple but so true. So, okay, if, we, if, if we're going to win or lose here, you won. But as my mom, as I said, my mom would say, in this type of practice and activity, it's not whether you win or lose. It's just doing a little something. And I encourage the listeners out there, listen, I choose – to do it. And I look at the little things because sometimes when life just isn't going our way, it's really hard to feel connected. Like, Oh, you know what? Listen, I'm so grateful for my health and and that I'm here. But sometimes when I'm in the throes of cancer treatment, I'm not so grateful for it. And so it's those moments where I think about the little silly things like, you know, days of our lives. Maybe that day I watched it. It's a horrible, but awesome soap opera. And it makes me laugh. So maybe on that day, I get a good laugh and I'm grateful for days of our lives. So I encourage you to play, to try it, to do something that will, you know, bring a little bit of joy during, during whatever your journey you're going through in life. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Beth, for being here today. Please tell people how we can get a hold of you. 
So they can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, at Solify Wellness, or you can check me out on my website. And, oh, I just love to hear from anyone. So send me any questions you have, and I'm happy to give you any little tips. And I will be sure to include those links in our podcast show notes. So again, thank you, everybody, for being here. And Beth, I appreciate your knowledge, your sharing of your story, and I am sending positive vibes and good health out to everyone. So thanks again, and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us. If you love us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. I hope this episode brought inspiration for you to think about your relationships and whether or not you want to try some tools to help move out of unhealthy patterns that really might seem like natural occurrences in your life, but are things that you can work on. There are so many different ways to work on our health, and oftentimes it starts from within, finding the right tools, practices, or practitioners to help. There's a lot out there, and today's guest, Beth Miller, can help us with her resources or send you to others. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.